All right, let's open to uh, Genesis 22. And we're going to see uh, in this chapter, we'll read it just a few minutes. We're going to have some readers. We're going to divide this chapter in uh, two, and then we're going to read uh, a few verses in Hebrews chapter 11 that are applicable. So uh, we'll invite our readers up. Verse 11. Sorry, verse 10. Abraham stretched out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, Here I am. He said, Do not stretch out your hand against the lad and do nothing to him. For now I know that you fear God, since you have not withheld your son, your only son, from me. Then Abraham raised his eyes and looked, and behold, behind him a ram caught in a thicket by his horns. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered him up a burnt offering in the place of his son. Abraham called the name of that place, The Lord Will Provide, as it is said to this day. In the mount of the Lord it will be provided. Then the angel of the Lord called to Abraham a second time from heaven and said, By myself I have sworn, declares the Lord, because you have done this thing and have not withheld your son, your only son, indeed I will greatly bless you and I will greatly multiply your seed as the stars of the heavens and as the sand which is on the seashore. And your seed shall possess the gate of their enemies. In your seed all the nations of the earth shall be blessed, because you have obeyed my voice. So Abraham returned to his young men, and they arose, and went together to Beersheba. And Abraham lived in Beersheba. The last few are in Hebrews chapter 11, uh, verses 17 through 19. Uh, By faith Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac, and he who had received the promises offered up his only begotten son, of whom it was said, And Isaac, your seed, shall be called. Uh, concluding that God was able to raise him up, even from the dead, from which he also received him in a figurative sense. Thank you, Tim and Ben and Ben. Now, I don't know if this is still... Yes, just hit it. Uh, there we go. This is a very solemn chapter. It's well known to those that read the Bible regularly. But what we have here in in, uh, the story of Abraham, and perhaps it's uh, good that we've had this uh, lesson about a father and a son that falls on Father's Day. But we see in this chapter a triumph of faith that outshines the past. Remember, Abraham is called the father uh, of the faithful. He's a man of faith. He was called the friend of God. And uh, it says in in Hebrews chapter 11 that he went out when God called him, when the God of glory appeared to him, he went out not knowing where he went. That in itself was an act of faith. And then we see some progression in the faith. And by the way, if you're here this morning and you know the Lord Jesus as Savior, you should, this should be the same uh, pattern in your life like Abraham's and in my life, that the faith grows. That's what the writer, uh, the New Testament writer says, your faith grows exceedingly. That's the way it should be. And here is a triumph of faith that outshines the past of faith and failure. Remember that Abraham was, like it says of Elijah, a man of like passions as we are. And we've already looked at some of the failure in the life of Abraham. And, but what today we've got to look at the uh, triumph of faith. And this is the, if, if outlines help you, this is the outline that we'll be looking at. We're going to look at the test, verse 1 and 2. We're going to look at the trial. We're going to look at the triumph. We're going to look at the testimony that resulted from this great trial of faith. 
Now, one almost, one really feels inadequate to speak on this subject because the content therein is just uh, far beyond perhaps what any of us will ever have to answer to. So let's look first at the test. Uh, hit that first. The test comes to us in verse 1 and verse 2. And it was a, you can hit it again, it was a very severe test. In fact, you might term it in the life of a, of a, of a believer. Abraham was a believer. He wasn't a Christian but in that strict sense of the term, but he was a believer. Right? It was a severe test. But it was kind of like a final exam for this, this dear man of faith. It was a pinnacle, certainly, in his, in his life of, of faith. It was a very severe test. And just hit the next one and we'll see all that is concluded here. First of all, we're going to look at it like this. In, in these categories, when, who, where, and what. When, now. Now, the, this trial, this is called a trial. He, he, God did test or he proved. He wanted to prove Abraham, test him. The New Testament speaks about the trial of your faith. Now, again, I don't know that any of us, if you're here this morning and you know Christ as Savior, will ever have to face a test as severe as this one. But we, it's in the Word of God, and we must uh, examine it and see what we can glean for ourselves. And certainly, we're going to learn what we can glean about our Heavenly Father. But here was this, a very severe test, and it came now. And it wasn't as if he had, I don't know that he had any... Uh, you know, warning about this. It was like a, like a bolt out of a blue sky, right? A lightning bolt out of a blue sky. All of a sudden it was there. Now, take your son. Who? Take your son. Your son. The son that God had promised him. Remember, Abraham had none, right? But God had given him this promise in Genesis chapter 12 that in your seed shall all the earth, nations of the earth be blessed. And, you know, have you ever stopped to think that this this promise of this multiplied seed, starting from when Abraham was called in Genesis chapter 12, it lasted over 100 years. And he didn't have but a son and two grandsons when he died at 175. 75, he was called, go, you'll have a seed. And at an age, you can look at the math in Genesis 26, he died at 175. So this, this, this promise of this multiplied seed lasted over a hundred years. Now you think and I think when we get, we receive a, a word or a promise from God, and we want it now, right? Because we're in the instant generation. Well, it wasn't like that with Abraham. And that's good to take note of for you and for me because sometimes, you know, we think, well, I'm doing the will of God and nothing's happening. The Lord is not blessing in my life. Well, look at Abraham. Oh, thank the Lord that we can learn. Whatsoever things were written aforetime, right? Were written for our learning that we through patience and comfort of the Scriptures might have hope. So who? Your son. The son that God had promised. The very one whom he loved. It just it strikes at the heart of a father, right? That, that you would take. Your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, and what? That where? Go to a specific place. We're going to read in this, uh, when we get down into the next section, the place, the place. Go to a specified place, the land of Moriah, and what? Offer him there as a burnt offering. Now, we don't read of any uh, remonstrance, any kickback by Abraham. But this command of God came to take now his son, his only son Isaac, whom he loves, and offer him at that specified place or a burnt offering. 
Now you can imagine the emotion and the turmoil that went through the heart of this father, this long-awaited son, right? Because he was, what, a hundred years old? Twenty-five years had passed since uh, until Isaac was born. And now, maybe 15, it's, I don't know if we know exactly, he was old enough to carry the wood we're going to see. So he wasn't a young, he wasn't a little stripling boy. You know, he had to be old enough to do some of this work that was required here. So maybe 15, and, and, and so offer him there, the one that he'd had all these years to come to know and to love and see, this is the, this is the very one that God hath promised me, the one who I'm, I love. Hit it again. So he said when, who, where, and what. But he didn't say why, right? He didn't say why. No explanation. Like back when we looked in chapter 18, verse 17, the Lord came to Abraham, and when he looked on the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah, he said, Shall I hide from Abraham the thing that I do? He gave him an explanation for what he was about to do. But here in Genesis chapter 2, we have the when, the who, the where, and the what, but we have no why, right? No why. Uh, Abraham could trust God where. You remember God said, go out to a land that I will show you. He went out not knowing where he went. He was able to trust God to, 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 to lead him where God would lead him. But here, there's no why. He just, he just comes all of a sudden with this trial and, and tells him to do it. And, and there's no question. There's no question from Abraham. Remember, uh, Abraham, when, when God said he would destroy Sodom and Gomorrah chap, in, back in chapter 18, he says, Abraham said, turns to the Lord and said, Will you destroy the righteous with the wicked? He, God, Abraham did not question him here like he did there. And there was no resurrection before this, right? But did he, Abraham must have known God well enough, right? That he gave him Isaac once, perhaps. He could do it again. And, well, there was no resurrection, but, he, but, but God miraculously gave him Isaac. Remember, uh, 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 Paul the Apostle comments on it. In Hebrews chapter 4, that Abraham was dead, as it were. <laughs> His body now dead, and Sarah's womb was dead. But yet, God brought a miraculous son out of that. So he didn't question why. Then the trial. Two of them. Oh, and by the way, life is a series or a succession of tests or trials. For character is the only uh, uh, way uh it's only possible through discipline. So, so if, if, if we began to want to complain and fall down and, and be discouraged because of trials, look at Abraham, right? And to see the fashion of man that, that, that God was forming there. And, and thank the Lord if He does send trials our way. Now, we're not talking about trials because we're out of the path of the Lord and God is chastening us. Those are one, that's one category. But here was a man of faith that was doing the will of God, right? And, and all of a sudden, out of the clear blue, it says, after these things. When did God test Abraham? After these things. Isn't that what your Bible says? After this, after these things, verse 1. What was after? Well, after this great revelation that God had given to him of the everlasting God in the end of chapter number 21. And so here he was on this high point of his existence as he was exalting this, this God. This, and Stephen later says, the God of glory appeared to Abraham. And here he was learning more about this God of glory. And uh, he called on his name of the Lord, and the Lord, the everlasting God. And after these things, this high point in his life, God tested him. And so it might be like that with you and me when we think we're, when we, we, 
conclude we're walking in the will of the Lord, he may bring a trial to test our faith. And then the trial itself, let, 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 let go back to that. The two of them, we got, we got a lot of verses to cover, so we're going to hang there, Jason, for a few minutes. Okay, now notice the, the, the uh, yes, look at the, the, the slide there. The two of them went together, and here was a transaction between father and son alone. You know, I was noticing, what, what, did, did, you know, when, when things like this happen, not that we would ever face anything uh, as, 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 as severe as this, where was Sarah in all this? Did, did, did Abraham even tell his wife Sarah, you know? But it doesn't appear so because here was a transaction between father and son alone, right? That, that the word from God came to Abraham and he rose up early in the morning, saddled his donkey and he took his son and he made the preparation and he said, go to the place where, his, um, where God had told him. Now, notice his conscience did not clash with God's command, right? He just rose up early and he did it. His conscience did not uh, clash with God's command. He rose up early in the morning and he went and he took it. And on the third day, he had time to contemplate what God had told him, right? Mulling over and over in his mind. What, can you imagine what he was thinking? This son of promise that he had waited so long for. He thought Eliezer, this, see, the, the Eliezer was all he had. But God said, no, no, I'm going to give you one of your own bowels. And then remember what happened that, that's, you know, they woke up one morning and then Sarah says to Abraham, oh, you know, I know what the Lord said. But listen, Abraham, I have a better plan. Let's let you you take my maid, right? And you go in and, and then you'll have a son, right? We're gonna we're gonna we're gonna get this promise to come through. Well, that was a disaster, right? But that's what Abraham, you know, he now he really did have a son, right? He had the son, and he had three days to contemplate what God had told him. And the third day he saw the place afar off, and he said to his young men, Notice the faithful saying here, you stay here, and I and the lad will go away and worship and we will come again. <laughs> you know, we read in Hebrews, right? By faith, Abraham offered his only son Isaac, uh, and, and, and he did receive him in a figurative sense, resurrected, but he believed God, right? Whether God would just give him another son or raise him from the dead, he believed God, right? So I and the lad will go yonder and worship, and we will come again to you. Here was a transaction between father and son alone. And now on their way, Isaac speaks to his father. Verse 7, I believe, is the only recorded conversation between Abraham and Isaac in the Bible. As far as I can see, the only recorded conversation. And he turns to his father. He says, my father, he says, behold, here's the fire and the wood. But where is the lamb for the burnt offering?" My father, you know, he, he's thinking, too, he's got three days to get to this place that God had told him as my father. Where is the lamb? He knew something was going to happen, right? This this concept of of of, of, of sacrifice and an altar and offering. It, it was it was all it wasn't new to him because it had been practiced since the day of Adam and and Noah and so forth. And so so he 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 knew what was happening, but he, he saw there's something missing, Right. What's missing in this picture, right? No, there's no lamb. Where is the lamb for the burnt offering? And notice this reply of faith that Abraham said, My son, God will provide himself or for himself a lamb, a burnt offering. So they went both together. 
What a beautiful picture. We'll see a little later as it points to something more lovely. But here they are going together. Abraham not knowing how it's going to turn out, right? Oh, he just said God will provide himself a lamb, right? God, he, he, Jehovah Jireh, in the mount of the Lord it shall be provided. He, he knew that somehow, some way, this God, this great God, that God of glory that called him out would provide. And so he stretched forth his hand. They came to the place. He, lay, he bound Isaac, his son, in verse number 9. And he laid him on the wood. No, there's no, there, there's no mention of, of any uh, uh, resistance by, by this only son, this only begotten son of Isaac. There's no mention of any resistance. No, no, what are you doing, Dad? No, no, none of that, right? And he stretched forth his hand as he would any sacrifice. He stretched forth his hand to slay his son. You can imagine the emotion going through this father's heart as he had the knife to slay his son. And that's the trial. Now let's go to the test, the triumph. At the moment that he had that knife raised, the angel of the Lord called him out of heaven. He said, Abraham, Abraham. Abraham responded, don't lay a hand on the lad. Thank the Lord that he intervened, that he did not have to offer his son, his only son, upon the altar. Right? Don't lay your hand upon the altar, upon the son. Take him off. But listen, now listen, this, this is interesting. What did the Lord say? What did the omniscient Lord say? The all-knowing God say to Abraham. For, the middle of your verse there, verse 12. For now I know that you fear God. Doesn't God know everything? Well, sure he does. He knows the end from the beginning. But I wonder, now I don't know that I have the final explanation for this statement, but think about this statement. The Lord said to Abraham, now I know. You know, there's different kinds of knowledge. I could say to you that I know it's cold in the North Pole. I've never been to the North Pole. I know it because of pictures. I know it because of testimony of others. But I've never been. I've never experienced it. I haven't been there to evidence the cold. Well, I wonder if it's like that with the Lord. He knew full well. But he knew it now by the experience of Abraham as he offered his son. Now I know that you... That you fear God, seeing you have not withheld your son, your only son, from me. What a remarkable thing. And we might pause and say here that, you know, some look at this, this command and they say, well, this, what, what, this was odd. This, was this some kind of immoral kind of thing? Because the, the heathen practiced uh, uh, human sacrifice. But, you know, it's not. Because what God was after was not the death of a son, but the devotion of a father. Not Isaac's life, but Abraham's loyalty. And he got it, right? Now, I know that you fear God, seeing you have not withheld your son, your only son from me. The basis of all morality is obedience to God. In the context of this very statement or this very act is a test 
of faith. It's not sanctioning heathen sacrifice, and ultimately, of course, it was not permitted. But God was after the loyalty uh, of this man Abraham, not the life of Isaac. And thankfully, there is a ram. Abraham lifted up his eyes, and behold, behind him a ram caught in a thicket by his horns. Here was something that was provided not by man. When Abraham went up to offer his son, his only son, that's all he had. He didn't have another sacrifice. But thankfully, God intervened and provided this sacrifice in the ram. All that Abraham brought for the burnt offering was his only son. And so Isaac is moved off the altar, right? As it were, receiving, Abraham received his son in a figurative sense, right? Says the, says the writer of Hebrews. Uh, it received him, as it were, in resurrection. The son was spared, right? The son was spared. And then next one, we have the testimony in verse 15 through 19. The angel of the Lord called unto Abraham the second time. The second time, he called out of heaven. He said, by myself I have sworn. Now, just when I interject something here, <clears throat> oftentimes when you see that phrase, the angel of the Lord, you may hear the term theophany or Christ Christophany. Here is a proof that the angel of the Lord was a theophany. In other words, God appearing before the, the incarnation. The Lord appearing. Because it's the angel of the Lord, verse 15, that calls to Abraham. And he said, By myself I have sworn, saith the Lord. Jehovah, right? Jehovah is speaking. So you see, Oftentimes in the Old Testament, before the appearance of Jesus Christ our Lord, who was God manifested in the flesh, there were these theophanies, uh, a God appearing in, a, in, in, in the flesh. Uh, and it's, a, it's in, in a number of occasions, but here it's very clear who it was. The Lord, by myself, I have sworn, because you have done this thing. Notice twice he says, because, because, and he enlarges upon his uh, previous promise he enlarged his mercies to Abraham proportionally because of his obedience how did he do that he repeated the promise from chapter 12 and verse chapter 15 that I will multiply your seed as the stars of heaven and there's two ands and 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 as the sand which is upon the seashore and the sea thy seed shall possess the gate of his enemies there's another two elements here and of course thy seed shall possess the gate of his enemies that was initially fulfilled by Joshua when he went into the, the promised land and he would to take all the enemies of the Lord and deal with them and they were to take over the promised land. But it will be finally fulfilled in the seed, right? Abraham, uh, in, uh, Paul speaks of Abraham and his seed in, in Galatians referring to the Lord Jesus. That's the final fulfillment when the seed of Abraham, Jesus shall reign where'er the sun doth his successive journeys run. There are a number of passages in the Word of God that speak about how the Lord will rule from shore to shore. There's coming a time, though we're in a political mess now, there's coming a time when the Lord will reign from Mount Zion. It's talked about in Psalm 72. It's talked about in the, the, the dream of Daniel in chapter uh, number 2. When the Lord will set up an everlasting kingdom which shall never, be, which shall never uh, fall down. And that is the Lord Jesus will be uh, ruling and reigning supreme. And in thy seed shall all nations of the earth be blessed because thou hast obeyed 
my voice. Now, one more slide here. This is the last one. This is the story of a father and his son. This is a story of how a father loves his son. Take your son whom you love. This is the story of a son obeying his father. However, you can hit it one more time. What we see here, I think it's very obvious. If you know the Bible, even if you don't know the Bible, even if you just heard, here is a picture, a lovely foreshadowing, a lovely illustration of God the Father and God the Son, of God the Father's love for His Son, the Lord Jesus, for the Son obeying the Father. If you go through this passage one more time, our time is gone, but if you go through this passage one more time, you'll see so many things that... that point us to the Father, the Heavenly Father. The Father sent the Son to be the Savior of the world. We read in, 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 uh, in Romans chapter 8 that, uh, that the Father did not spare His Son, but delivered Him up for us all. Imagine here that God the Father, looking down on this Father that He had given all these promises to with so many things and about His seed, and, his, and, and the Father's knife is raised to slay His only Son, and God in compassion intervenes, right, to spare His beloved Son, Isaac's beloved Son. But He didn't spare Him on Calvary, right? God did not. He spared not His own Son, but delivered Him up for us all. You know, what, you know this, is a, this is a remarkable thing. You know, uh, God says to Abraham, now I know that you fear God. Now, what can we say? We can say, now we know that God loves us, seeing he has not withheld his son, his only son from us. This is, you know, this is, this is astounding to think that the almighty God, the, the, the ruler of heaven and earth, the, the high and lofty one who inhabits eternity, would look on us. How thou, O God, could look on us and be the God thou art. It's darkness to our intellect but sunshine to our heart, that He would provide a means whereby a sinner could be saved and know it. What a remarkable thing that the Son of God loved me and gave Himself for me. Now, Isaac becomes, as it were, a type or a picture of the Lord Jesus. Now, he falls way short, but Isaac was spared. The Lord Jesus was not spared, right? He gave Himself. The Son of God loved me and gave Himself for me. Abraham or Isaac was obedient to a point. To the point that he had to be, right? And then he was taken off the altar, received, as it were, in, a, in resurrection. But the Lord Jesus went down into the dust of death. He actually died and he actually was raised again in resurrection. And now he lives after the power of an endless life. And so we close Genesis chapter 22. There's much more <clears throat> that could be said. But I think most importantly, we have here... A number of lessons. First of all, you and I face trials. The trial of your faith, Peter writes about, being much more precious than of gold which perishes. When you and I face a trial, we don't want to complain. We, don't, we, want, to, we want to act as Abraham acted. You know, he rose early in the morning. There was this immediate response to, his, to the call to obey this, this, uh, this test of faith by God. But also, we want to see in this a picture, an illustration a foreshadowing of what would come thousands of years later as God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. There was a substitute found for Isaac. 
There was no substitute for the Lord Jesus, right? He bore my sin in His own body on the tree. He became that burnt offering that offered Himself up without spot to God, right? For you and me. You and I fall short. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. We could never measure up to the standard of God, but praise God, God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. And so when I look to Calvary, I don't look to just some historical happening. I see there, by faith and by the revelation of this book, the Son of God loved me and gave Himself for me. Remarkable story we have in the Gospel. And it's pictured here. You know, God... Here, here's another thing before we close. Abraham said, God will provide for Himself a lamb. All the lambs in the Old Testament, whether patriarchal or on the altars of, 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 uh, of the, the, the Jewish nation, they all pointed to the Lamb of God that bears away the sin of the world, right? No wonder. You know, could you imagine what a shock it must have been when the, when the, 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 the Jews in, in the day of John the Baptist... They, they're, they're, they're near this guy that's, that, that's out preaching in the wilderness and, and, and you know, people come to Can you imagine? He, people come to him and says, you brood of vipers. <laughs> What's, what, what a way to treat people that are coming to be baptized. You brood of vipers. What are you, you know, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? But as they came, you know, they were coming to be baptized and he could see Jesus walking. And there he says, behold, the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. And the, the Jewish mind must have been going, What? I only had one lamb for one, for, for one sacrifice and I had to do it year after year. Here's the lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. God will provide himself for a lamb. A lamb. Jehovah Jireh, the Lord did provide. The Lord provided the lamb of God that bears away the sin of the world. And that's probably the most important message we have this morning from this passage. Is God has provided the lamb of God. The substitute for my sin. I look to the Lord Jesus, and you do too if you know Him. You could say, because the sinless Savior died. My sinful soul is counted free. For God the just is satisfied to look on Christ and pardon me. You see, religion doesn't help. I can't fulfill any kind of religious acts by praying and giving and attending and all these things for salvation. I must Understand that I need a Savior. I can't save myself. I needed this sacrifice. I needed a Savior. And the Savior is the Lamb of God that bears away the sin of the world. Wonderful story we have in Genesis chapter 22. And I trust the Spirit of God will further enlighten us as we look in this lovely passage and see therein a picture of God the Father and God the Son and His great provision of salvation. Heavenly Father, we're thankful this morning for... Your word. We're thankful for the Spirit of God recording this marvelous incident. We could never exhaust it. A real historical happening. Oh God, when you called from heaven to this man to offer his son as a burnt offering, oh, what it must have meant to the heart of this father to obey the command of God and take his son, his only begotten son, to that place which you told him of. But oh God, we thank you that you spared His Son. You offered a substitute, a ram caught in a thicket by its horns. Oh God, we thank You that Isaac was spared and, and went on to become in that, come in that line of Messiah. And finally, Messiah did come in the Lamb of God, the Lord Jesus. Oh God, we thank You this morning for Him who alone is worthy, who bore our sin in His own body on the tree. And we just ask, that you will challenge each and every one of our hearts for us who know the Savior.
we might grow in devotion and faith to him. And for those any here that do not know the Savior, they might come in simple faith and trust to the Lord Jesus, who alone can save them from their sin. We give you our thanks in the name of the Lord Jesus. Amen.